and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane, joining me is Gaby, back to Lesio from the start, Mackay, and Jules, disaster zone Boyle, who's just been pulled out of the podcast recording booth because he parked in a disabled bay. Tut, tut. It was very poorly marked, the sign's only about six foot wide. <laughs> Well, we've got a load of action to get through today. Obviously, Monday's pod is always a review of the action at the weekend. We're going to go through every game from the Scottish Premiership. Where else can we start but the game at Ibrox? (laughs) So this was a game that Celtic thoroughly deserved to win. They had a game plan. They stuck to it. They were dogged. They were resilient. They were organised. They were everything that many Celtic fans on social media have been criticising Neil Lennon for not being Jules. Correct. Um, as those same fans have been criticised themselves for being bedwetters, and I think they've been proven to be that case. Um, bedwetters? Bedwetters. Absolute bedwetters. Tell whine. us what you really think. <laughs> Absolute whining. Um, normally, a lot of the time, a valid criticism gets dismissed as that too, and that's not cool. But this stuff, you know, short of, and we've discussed this before, short of a bad 45 minutes against Cluj, some questionable decisions, Celtic really haven't put a foot wrong um, in, in, in competitive matches this season. Um, they're playing with a makeshift defence, they've brought in new players, they've got a new manager and they a new type of playing. They're playing very, very well, they're rattling in goals, and they were the underdogs, I think they were at 11 2 at the bookies um, yesterday, which was insane. Edward was amazing, odds for first goal scorer. It was the whole thing was like, this is not going to happen, Rangers are back, Rangers are going to win this. Even the bookmate, obviously, there's loads of money getting thrown on it. Nobody expected it, a lot of Celtic fans didn't expect it, like, you know, they were like, you know, saying they bite your hand off for a draw. Um, what I said last week and what I've said for weeks and weeks and weeks about this proved to be absolutely right both times at uh, Ibrooks last season when Celtic lost to be fair Rangers did play much better than them and they did absolutely deserve to win I would not say that but Celtic didn't turn up either of those days uh, uh, Gerard has his team very well organised very aggressive very up for it he has them running out at them straight on top of them up in the grill not letting them pass forcing mistakes and harrying them and that's what he's done the last twice and it worked because you could tell within minutes but that's the opposite of what happened yesterday Jules wasn't this a tactical victory for Neil Lennon I'm going to tell you why I'm, I'm asking you that question the very first minute of the game they kicked the ball right into yep. Rangers' half. Yep. Now, it was a moment of divine comedy almost because it, it it was bizarre, but actually it made a, it did make a statement about we're not going to take the ball, pass it around and allow no. you to come on to us. We're playing up there, yeah. We're going to kick it and give it to you and let's see what you guys can do. Yep. Now, if I'm Steven Gerrard, that tells me exactly what's, what the strategy for Celtic is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be telling my players, if I was Steven Gerrard, Punt the ball back down. Give it yeah. back to them. Yeah. Don't don't engage in this um, this tactic. That's what exactly what they want you to do. Yeah. And Celtic did to Rangers what Rangers have done to Celtic at Ibrox last season. Correct. Exactly that. Um, and they stuck to the game plan perfectly. Now, where I have a question, Gaby, on Gerard's setup before the game, where did he expect the width to come from? You have John Flanagan selected at left back, a player who is not left footed a player who does not like to go beyond the halfway line, a defender if ever there was one. And in front of him, you have Joe Aribo, a centre midfield player. Um, where is the width? Well, I agree. I think actually the, the tone for the day was set even before kickoff when the Rangers fans unveiled that big banner, which was a reference to Iron Maiden's The Trooper. And it said, you know, when the whistle blows, the charge begins. But what they obviously didn't know is that that song is about the charge of the Light Brigade, which is one of the greatest tactical blunders in military history. And Stephen Gerrard 
made one of the biggest tactical blunders <laughs> of his career by starting out with a team that, as you say, had no width. I think everyone, when they looked at that team, went, you know, there's no Jones, there's no Ojo. What is what was he doing? I mean, what's he doing there? Everybody sort of thought, well, where Rangers can hurt Celtic, we know Celtic aren't going to sit back. We know they're going to go for them. Is to get them wide and with pace on the break because. You know, we looked at Bolingoli, who played very well yesterday, by the way, but we've seen him in games before that he's suspect defensively. Uh, he had Scott Arfield out on the right, who isn't a winger. He had Joe Aribo out on the left, who isn't a winger, and looked lost, frankly. And as you say, um, Flanagan is right-footed, so he can't go, he can't overlap, he can't provide width there. Tavernier can do, but I mean, he had a, he had a poor game yesterday, I thought. But he was the only one on the pitch that could actually provide that. I mean... <sighs> Do you think he was just trying to suffocate the life out of the midfield? Is that what the idea was? Because clearly there had to be a strategy there. It wasn't altogether apparent. When I looked at that starting lineup, Gabby, I said to you yesterday, is there not a huge danger with that midfield of there being a real disconnect between Defoe and the midfield? And if that happens, surely Morelos actually should be the the obvious pick. Because he'll run at channels, he'll harry, he'll harass. Defoe is much more of a link-up player, someone who, if he's got someone buzzing about him, he'll be he'll be excellent. But but there wasn't really any creation or any any of that kind of play that that allowed Defoe to play his natural game. No, it didn't. And I think that what it was, or certainly what it looked like to me, is that Gerard was sort of more concerned about stopping Celtic playing the way they want to play than doing what Rangers had done in the last two games at Ibrox and playing to Rangers' strengths. The point about Defoe, I wonder if, despite the good words he had before the game, I wonder if Gerard still wasn't convinced that Morelos would keep his head in that derby atmosphere up against Scott Brown, the most annoying man in football. You know, I just, I, no offence to Scott Brown. <laughs> but, uh, he'll love it. He'll be, yeah, he's, yeah, he'll totally. be just yes. delighted he's number one. Yeah, yes, exactly. Famously, Football Scotland ran a story um, from uh, South America where I think he was voted the seventh most evil player in yeah, world something football. Something like that, yeah. And, uh, As a compliment. Word, word got back to us that Scott was just annoyed he wasn't in the top five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, and I think uh, they did, uh, this Spanish or Brazilian outlet did mean it as a compliment. But yeah, so I wonder if that's why he played Defoe instead of Morelos because it doesn't make any any sense to me any other way that if you're going to have that midfield with no width and no one really I mean if you've got Kamara Davis and Jack in the midfield okay Jack will get forward but you don't really have anyone bursting on and providing that link with the forwards whereas you'd think if Morelos was up there you know if you're a defender against Morelos you know you're in a game he'll run channels he'll get in about you he'll maybe have the odd little kick or dig as I think we saw a video of him <laughs> uh, was standing on a Celtic defender's foot and then he'll blast uh, it in his head as well well yes he did do that when he came on but I thought when he came on he looked like uh, yeah. you know he yeah. was more involved looked more of a threat and Definitely. I can only think that despite you know Gerard was very keen in the build up to say how much Morelos's uh, temperament and discipline had improved I wonder if he just after what happened in the last Old Firm game that Morelos played in, you remember Gerard really sort of lost his rag with him after that and said, yeah. I can't defend him anymore. I wonder if that was in the back of his mind that he just worried that the occasion would get to him again. Mm-hmm. And potentially Rangers had a very, very difficult uh, Thursday night game. They really emotionally were pushed to the limit, psychologically, fitness-wise. Celtic also had a game, they had a game abroad, but they coasted it. It was it was a much less stressful game. Jules, you're looking at me like that's, a, that's an excuse. Uh, yeah, that's a total excuse, I think. I mean, they, they both had international uh, European games to play on Thursday night. One of them had to travel. Um, one of them scored more goals and was still they were still running up and down the park. They weren't, it wasn't it was a, as much as it was a coasting game. Um, 
there was no lack of effort. They were still putting not in their pan in for it. I don't think the, the, the difference between... Obviously, there's a psychological difference between really grinding out a last-minute 1-0 victory and a 4-1 win is a different sort of emotional sort of thing. But I don't think there's going to be that much a difference to account for what happened yesterday. And you think you might Not be on more of a high if you've won a game in dramatic circumstances. Yeah. Now, I accept that physically, that as well. physically, it might be more draining. You know, you're really having to go for it for 90 minutes. Well, but th- emotionally, getting that last minute yeah. winner and going through, you'd, you know, you'd think you'd be full of... Co- I mean, you'd think particularly guys like Jordan Jones and Morelos, neither of whom started, would have been sky high in confidence. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of Celtic duels, because we've discussed a lot about Rangers uh-huh. there, um, these three defenders, um, Julian and Ball and Goalie in particular, because um, El Hamed has been pretty good so far. These guys sort of- really, really came to the fore, particularly Julian, who was, I mean, let's let's not beat around the bush, he was a colossus. He was, absolutely. Um, is that the, the starting point for them to go on? Or do you think, especially in the case of Ball and Goalie, He's still going to need a lot more time. Um, well, take, take them, take them in order. Um, obviously, I mean, Julian was was magnificent yesterday. You saw he's been slowly sort of coming onto his game. Um, and like yesterday, I mean, again, you've got to remember that was like the the first uh, game at Ibrox for a lot of those players, especially defenders. Um, I think it's probably maybe easier if you're a forward or a midfielder or something like that. You can kind of like you know do your game. Coming as a defensive unit, you're a unit. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, it was the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes, they, there was four guys who never played at Ibrox before in that back line. Julian was incredible. Um, Ball and goalie, what I thought was fantastic. He, he's still not um, the completely finished article by any stretch of imagination, but what a brave guy he is. What, his head never went down, all the criticism he's been under, he never had. He was chasing for every ball. If the ball was lost, he'd chase after it again. He would get it again. Um, his link-up play was good. You know, both teams were giving the ball away here and there. and, and It stuff. was a you know, really it was scrappy game. It was very scrappy. I think it's oh. unfair to criticise ball and goalie for giving the ball away when everybody else was doing it at yeah, the same I think, time. I think that we probably should just note that that was a really dreadful was, game just in terms of... It wasn't of, dreadful. In terms of quality, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was watching it on um, a definitely legal internet stream and it was that bad a game I nearly clicked to meet the lonely Asian women in my area. <laughs> <laughs> and they are there. That is absolutely true. They do want to meet you, Gavey. Hey. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, so I, I think he had a great game. Julian had a great game. Mohamed had a great game. Um... Obviously, you've got Ayer um, in, in the wings, um, who's obviously a first-choice pick. You've got Jozo. You've, you've got the shapings of a very, very good defensive uh, line there. Um, and I think ever, yesterday was a sort of test of fire, um, or a baptism of fire, even, should we say. And I think both Julian, particularly, but and Ball and Goalie, both stood up to it like, massively. I've, I've got some uh, good news for Rangers fans, and I don't think they should be too panicked. We discussed the level of quality in the game, and for me, this wasn't one of these Brendan Rodgers-style old-firm games where... Celtic are utterly dominant. There's a huge gap between these two sides. For me, this was a tactical... This was like an Italian football match in a lot of ways without the quality that you see in uh, Serie A in that it was very much a tactical battle. It was like a chess match. There wasn't a lot of football played. There wasn't even a lot of that blood and thunder excitement you normally associate with an old firm game. Not many great saves or great chances at either end. The the key moment for me was when Conor Goldson gives the ball away because Celtic were so compact... They were so tight and well-organised. They were almost in that low block that Rangers have struggled with. Um, that, that It was very difficult to see Rangers actually breaking through that with the, the, the players that they had on, on, on in the, the lineup. And then going on from that, the second goal, 
clearly Rangers are piling men forward. There's a huge gap down the left-hand side as Tavernier's bombed up. As we've already discussed, pretty much the only guy providing any width. And uh, Johnny Hayes makes a, a dart and run into that space. He's like a, he's like a hair, isn't he, going down yeah. there, bearing <laughs> in on goal. And then it was... Uh, a good save from Alan McGregor, but he finished it off well, showed a great presence of mind to get on the end of it. But I don't really feel that there was a huge chasm or anything. It was one of those games that it could have gone either way, depending on how each manager Ooh. set up. Uh. And it was just that Neil Lennon had the better setup on the day. Gabe, am I being too optimistic um, from well, a Rangers point of view? Well, I think if you... I think just to just to clarify, I think what what you're saying is not that it could have gone either way on the ga- on the day in the way the game planned out and the way. Correct. Yes. I mean, but prior to the game yeah. with the two squads that are there. Yeah, I just thought we should clarify that for the yeah, listeners. Yeah. No, so I think I think that's fair to say. I think certainly, I mean, we'll have to see. They'll play another three times this season. We'll have to see what happens in the other ones. But I certainly think the way Gerard set up played absolutely into Celtic's hands. Now, I'm not saying that if he just started with both Jones and Ojo with Morelos that Rangers would have won the game because obviously we can't know that but I think mm. they would have been they'd have certainly had more of a threat I think it would have been more of a game than it was um, yeah I, th- I think so. I agree to the extent I do agree to the extent um, but I do think I mean, if you think about it um, Alan McGregor pulled off quite a few exceptional saves double saves I, d- I don't think any of those saves were exceptional Gabby no, the the ones that you'd be disappointed if he let them. Okay, in, but, well let, let me but see. But he did still have to make them, whereas Foster yeah. had basically Foster, nothing Fo- to do. Foster was finished his library book. Do you know what I mean? So and if McGregor had to pull off a good few saves, and hey, he didn't. So look, I think we all know it would take <laughs> Fraser Foster a lot more than ninety minutes to read a library book. <laughs> you don't know what book it is. It's right, cl- we're, it's we're the big red dog. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on uh, before casting any further aspersions on Fraser Foster, who I'm sure is an intelligent and well-read. <laughs> Individual, um, right? Well, I mean, across in Edinburgh, there was there was plenty of drama <laughs> to say the least. Craig Levine, he is struggling. Hearts two, Hamilton two. Gaby, what's going on? We've sat in this podcast and we've read out the players that Hearts have. There's international quality throughout that team. How can you put a case for Craig Levine to stay at the moment? I, I don't really see how you can. That's 11 games without a win. I think they've got two wins in 18 since they beat Kelly on February the 2nd, which is relegation form, basically. And if you looked at the, the goals they scored on Saturday, the goals they conceded on Saturday, rather, it was just awful, awful defending. And when a Craig Levine team can't defend, I mean, that's like that Doctor Who episode where the Dalek develops feelings <laughs> totally. and can't kill anyone. Like... What existential crisis? Yeah, what, what, like, what if a Craig Levine team cannot defend against, you know, with all due respect, Hamilton Ackies, Hamilton Ackies, who were, we uh, like Brian Rice here at Football yeah, Scotland, we do, we do, but Hamilton yeah, Ackies at home as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, There's, and the Hamilton Ackies who were had a bit of an injury crisis. I mean, Brian Rice is talking about that going into the game. Mm. You know, if you're Hearts, if you're a Craig Levine team, you score two goals at home and don't win the game against a team which you'd expect to be certainly in the bottom six. I, yeah, I just don't know how there's any any getting around yeah. it. Now, we know that because Levine's a director of football that um, his position is a lot safer than it would be for other people. But, I mean, how long did they let this go on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you, you look at, you're watching those goals yesterday and obviously you can see there's a motivation issue. You can see there's a tactical issue. I mean, they've got that squad. Obviously, there's, there's injuries coming and going, but they've got this huge squad for decent players. You watched those goals yesterday. It wasn't tactics that made but those mistakes. Craig they, they were would, howling. If he, if he heard you say that, he would say, no, no, What no, can no. a manager do about individual errors? 
because I mean, yeah. there's two individual errors, Bera and Ad yeah. White for that first goal are are a cal- it's calamitous. They're tackling each other, <laughs> you know what I mean? but the thing is though, yeah, but that's fine if you take that as an individual instant, like single incident. But when it all keeps happening all the time, all the time, over and over again, that's a symptom of a, a, a universal malaise at the club. You can't just say, "Oh, that was a one-off, and that was this, and that was that." Something's rotten in the heart of Gorgie. <laughs> is that unusual? I used to love in Gorgie for a long time. There is a slight smell about Gorgie yeah. from the. Um, well, I think it's from the breweries that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the hops, it's hops or the malt. Uh, one of those things. But yeah, there's always been a slight smell. Yeah, to the yeah. wind's blowing the right Gorgie. way at Tynecastle, yeah. it smells of beer. Yeah. yeah, it's not the worst smell in the world. No. Um, there's a great bar, Stratis, open from 6am in Gorgie. Used to frequent that after a student night out. <laughs> um, anyway, um, well, yeah, big, big, big work for Craig Levine to be getting on with. Um, moving on to the other side of Edinburgh, and well, it's another manager <laughs> under pressure. Hecky was at the wheel, they used to sing. Hecky's at the wheel, but uh, the wheels have come off. Uh, Flying towards a cliff. Yeah, and uh, the bus is in a ditch, I think. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing about this game I mean we'll, we'll, we'll get on to Heckingbottom but you went into this game I had Motherwell on my coupon for this game now Motherwell at home to Hibs you think that'll be a tight game but you knew Motherwell were going to win that mm-hmm. now after the game Heckingbottom came out and I, I was in here so I was listening to his interview on the radio the amount of times he said 1v1s which to me is essentially passing the blame onto his players and saying yep. it's not my system when the week before he essentially blamed the fans which I don't <laughs> think is a good sign um, I've just right Joe you You'll be able to hear somehow the audio version of an eye roll because I've looked up some stats and Jules will not want to hear this, right? <laughs> but you looked at the, the, the game yesterday. Um, no, Saturday, sorry. Uh, Motherwell win 3-0. Motherwell had 21 shots in that yeah, game. That's if you look at the And if you look at the everyone's favourite stat, expected goals, which I know some people are switching off right now. <laughs> Motherwell's was 2.42. Hibs had 0.87, which tells you something about the way the game went. And if you look across the season... Hibs, on average, uh, their expected goals against is 2.35 per game. Four is 1.24. Now, you look at two other teams who... The reason I'm pointing these teams out is because they've both played Rangers as well because Heckingbottom yeah. or Hibs might say, well, they've played against Rangers. So, um, Kelly, under their funny foreign manager, who's an absolute <laughs> diddy, uh, their expected goals against is 0.99 per 90 minutes compared to over two for Hibs and four, 1.17. So, okay, slightly worse, but they've got more expected goals for than against. And St Mirren's against is 1.33 and 1.314. So if you look at just those stats, the way Hibs are playing, they're conceding, well, they, statistically you'd expect them to concede over two goals a game, which is just not good enough. And I think, you know, he plays this sort of 4-4-1-1 system. And I've, I've said it before on the podcast, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I don't understand how you can play Stevie Mallon and Scott Allen in the same midfield if you're going to play that system. I just don't think it works. I think it just makes, it just means there's no steel in that midfield that play, uh, opponents can play through it far too easily. And I think if you saw the, the highlights, at least, of the, the game, Motherwell had so many chances. But what a pass that was from Scott Allen. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm slagging myself really there because I did write the, the anatomy of the Scott Allen pass piece that I was slaughtered for. But there you go. Know. These are the things there that keep th- Scottish football ticking over. six or seven other Rangers pieces that day and one of them. Oh, what are you writing about that for? <laughs> now, listen, Jules, we, we, we've discussed Paul Heckenbottom and his temperament because last year... He did a fantastic job, yeah. but then in the final five games, he lost each one 
um, once he got into the top six. And he had a couple of sort of mini meltdowns. One at Kelly, where he had a go at he Alex threat, Bruce. He threatened to punch on his teeth in, didn't he? And then he was talking about, <laughs> you know, he was talking about someone swearing at him. And uh, I think it was a referee. Uh, and he, he a had fourth a official a, or something. He was, yeah. And I thought, hmm, if yeah. this is what he's like now... And, you, you know, blaming the fans, putting the pressure on his, his players. Yeah. It's starting to look a little bit ropey for him. Control. And you, you see social media and, and the Hibs fans are wanting him out already. Yeah. I mean, where's it going wrong? The cliche that I'm reading a lot is, well, it's recruitment. He's made the classic mistake. He's underestimated Scottish football. He's gone out and he's spent money on players from a lower English leagues. And they're not up to it. They're not used to the intensity of the game that we play up here. Is that a fair assessment? I think it will be at a point. Um, but we've seen players for lower leagues come up here and cope before. Maybe there's too many at the one time. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's smelling a lot more of Lowe's in the dressing room to me. Um, he seems to be not, um, as, as you say, he seems not to be in control of the situation. He seems to be, I think we and Gaby were talking about this in the pod, the before the weekend and talk about, you know, slagging the fans. And I say, you know, when you start slagging the fans, where do you go for there? Who do you start slagging next? Turns out the individual players. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, a, there is a lower depth to go. It'll be somebody's mum next week. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just getting worse. But I think I think he seems like a man under pressure. I it's kind of like, you know, ready to pop at any point. That seems to me like a guy that's lost a dressing room. I don't think he's got the, 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 the faith of the players or the control of the players or possibly... I don't think he knows really what to do to fix this, mm. and it seems to be like he's just it's just this situation is, is like sort of swirling the drain, um, and I can't but see how it's going to improve. To put a counterpoint across, um, a couple of colleagues who I know pretty well, I've been very impressed in a one-to-one situation with um, with the manager. So I think he comes over okay though, apart from when he's been mental. I yeah, thought I would say he seemed like quite. A, a but this is what I was saying last week. He just. It, He's just got Lee Clark written all over him. <laughs> See, when he was at Kelly, he talked a good game. Yeah. And, you know, and he, he, he would say things and then you'd go, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. But he would just, but he signed about 40 players, most of whom were from the lower leagues in England, most of whom couldn't do it. He's just a Yorkshire Lee Clark. Oh, that's uh, brutal. We've hardly discussed Motherwell here, but we have said in the past that they look like they're going to have something going. I predicted them to be in the top six. And I, Look at Liam Donnelly in their midfield. Eight goals already. Now he's stepping up and producing um, when they've got their best player, who very, very nearly signed for Celtic, out injured. Now that is a return and a half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You you would expect if they were were going to be losing out, um, I mean, how long is he going to be back for? He's not going to be back for some time yet still. It's January, I think, Turnbull's been January, I mean, that's a long, long time for a player of that calibre and a team of that sort of level. To lose out on a player like that is huge, and then lose out on the money that he was going to bring in if he was going to go either or. But they seem to be stepping up. They seem to be they play, they're playing well. They look strong. They look hard to beat. They look goals in them. Um, it's the wingers, isn't it? Seedorf yeah, and Hilton. Yeah. They've really settled in well. Very pacey, very direct. And you've got to give credit to Stephen Robinson because he's taken what was a very effective but essentially a long ball, brutal to watch team, and and completely changed the style. And yeah. Not many coaches in Scotland have the ability to go from one style to the other in terms of their coaching style and make it work. And make it work, yeah. And he's done that. So 
absolutely hats off to him. I, I do think, to be fair, I think Motherwell fans would say that the wingers when they first came in were quite frustrating, um, but they're obviously settling in a little bit better now. And then you've just got to think when Turnbull comes back, you know, what, what a team they could have. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And uh, there was some good news up north in Aberdeen. They defeated Ross, well, not for not, not for, for Ross, Ross County, County. but uh, <laughs> some good news for Aberdeen on the, uh, on the East Coast. Um, so Ross County beaten 3-0 there um, Greg Lee scored the first Now we thought Max Lowe was a pretty impressive left back And thought Aberdeen would struggle to replace him But Greg Lee's come in and he almost looks like he's he's even better Yeah he looked really good I mean I only saw the highlights of this game But uh, he scored the first goal and he seemed to be popping up all the time He seemed to be really providing an attacking threat against a Ross County team who you'd imagine were probably uh, quite keen not to concede and Aberdeen have struggled against those kind of teams before and he just looked like a guy who was really providing that width, providing that attacking threat and uh, yeah, I can't say I've seen too much of him up close so I wouldn't like to you know, declare him the new Roberto Carlos or whatever based on sports scene highlights but he certainly looks like an impressive player. And Sam Cosgrove made it 10 goals for the season with the penalty duels. We had a little debate on Football Scotland, the website, where we discussed whether or not the best striker in Scotland was uh, Alfredo Morelos or um, Odson Edward. Um, and we were met with consternation from, uh, well, Aberdeen fans, who was uh, <laughs> concerned that we'd left out um, Sam Cosgrove. Um, is that, was that a fair point? No. <laughs> You don't think Sam Cole? No, I think, I, think, I, think he's, I think he's an excellent striker. I think he is. Don't get me wrong. Um, I've just been glib. Uh, no, I don't think he's the best striker in Scotland. Um, you but, don't think he's worthy of consideration? Well, possibly. I was just asked who I thought it was, and I just gave my answer. Um, we could have. If it's some, if we had a third person to write about it, maybe it was somebody else would have done it. It could be worthy of consideration. I That's not the reason we didn't include him. <laughs> we didn't include him because nobody with half an iota of sense who's watched the players play <laughs> would say Sam Cosgrove is in the same class as the other two. Disagree with me, Gaby. Uh, I wasn't really listening. I was trying to think of a song for Sam Cosgrove because you know Morelos has got Buffalo Soldier and Edward's got I Want to Be Adored. So yeah, like, yeah. what's the one for Cosgrove? But I can't think of one. Jules, you're a music expert. Yes, I'll think about it. Maybe tomorrow's pod. Right, we'll get we'll get back we'll get to get you one. On that. Sorry, Sam. Good, yeah, but no. But listen, regardless of these uh, trivial matters of who's the best, because it's all subjective. Um, Cosgrove has massively improved. We've discussed that before, but. This season, he's he's on the verge of stepping up again. Yeah. I mean, he might be on on the way to Lazio before the day's <laughs> out. You know, yeah, well, hey, that kid might be on a plane to Rome as we speak. We're yeah. recording this before the before the transfer deadline. I mean, no, I don't think that one's going to happen against Celtic in the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sam Cosgrove's Lazio against Celtic. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, a lot of his goals have come from the penalty spot, but you've still got to stick them away. And for to have ten goals for the season when you know we're only just into September, and actually scored the goals on Saturday, so it wasn't yeah. even in September. It's an impressive record. You can't oh, you can't take that away from him. I mean, I agree with you guys. He's obviously not in the same class as Edward and Morelos, but that doesn't mean he's he's not a, a good striker certainly at this level. And I mean, I don't think he'll be going to Lazio, but. You could certainly see him getting getting a big move maybe next summer. And obviously Ryan Hedges, who's been a very, very good sign and picked up the third goal. So it was a really good return to form for Aberdeen. Now we move to perhaps the game that, well, certainly Gaby would think was the, <laughs> the match of the of the day. Um, looked like Angelo Alessio really enjoyed that one at the end there. 1-0 <laughs> victory over St. Johnston. 
What, what do you make of this? You've been his, uh, well, you've been an advocate since well, the very beginning. You've got a slightly <laughs> smug I'll look. tell you, Johnny, I've kept pretty quiet up till now. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there with a cushion in your lap, all <laughs> smug. <laughs> no, I think, I, as I've said on this podcast before, I think the criticism of Alessio has been totally overblown. I think, you know, from, from fans, uh, you know, particularly you see uh, what Jules would no doubt call bedwetters, certainly on social media, basically calling for him to be sacked already saying it's some sort of disaster when if you if, if you look at the individual games if you look at the performances it hasn't been a disaster um we know what the issues are the issues are with creativity and scoring goals but i think kelly are just still as solid defensively as they were last season and at the weekend you saw i mean it, it was almost like a it was almost like a steve clark goal you know they they were uh, defending a st johnson free kick the ball broke wide to miller who you would say sort of the, the jordan jones replacement lightning just, lightning, lightning just sprints up the pitch uh, cuts it back and Stephen O'Donnell I, I'm not entirely sure what Sod was doing there in the box it, but was, t- it was terrible defending by oh, St. Was if you're Tommy Wright you're tearing your hair out yeah absolutely it was awful defending and it wasn't for such a beautiful man it was quite an ugly goal but he managed to scramble at home and that you know that leaves Kelly sixth place after four games two of which were against Aberdeen and Rangers I mean you'd have taken that at the start of the season I think you know to, to suggest that it's been some sort of disastrous start to the season. Apart from the Europa League unpleasantness, it hasn't <laughs> been. It ha- and you know, there's a defeat, to, a defeat to Hamilton, which you know it happens. Uh, Kelly had a lot of the ball in that game, missed missed a few chances. You're going to get results like that, especially if you're a team like Kilmarnock. You know, if you're not a Rangers or a Celtic, you're always going to have games like that where you slip up. Uh, and, and a wee word on the new signing, the defence. Uh, yeah, Dario Del Fabro. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I was watching it. Uh, in the office, but he certainly seemed to absolutely stroll the game. Um, so uh, that looks like a, a good sign. I mean, we we don't know. Uh, I can't. You can't judge a player on one game. And St. Johnson certainly didn't seem to have a lot up front. Stevie May came on later, but I think it was uh, Chris Kane that was up front. He didn't really offer much, but the big man certainly seemed certainly seemed to stroll it. And you know, you always you always like to have an Italian centre back in there. <laughs> okay, we'll end up with uh, Livy two, St. Mirren one, Livingston third in the league. Flying high, nobody would have expected this. I think we were all <laughs> predicting relegation, but they've yeah. they've started this season like they started last season, which That's is right. on fire, like a freight train, and all this with their manager in hospital and their assistant manager Dave Martindale uh, leading the the game, leading the tactics. St. Mirren will probably look at this and say this is the kind of game we need to get a result in if we're going to want to avoid the relegation mire. They already look like a team that are going to be there or thereabouts in the relegation question. Jules? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think that was any question at the start. There's no disrespect to St Mirren. They've done nothing so far to suggest anything different. Um, they, they, as you say, these are the kind of games that they need to be getting something out of at least. Um, and they're just already... Um, they're already struggling, basically. I mean, obviously, Livingston have came out uh, out the traps uh, as is their want, um, but I think it's kind of um, you can just see it's going to be a long season for St Mirren. I think it was odd because St Mirren defended really well uh, against Rangers. I uh, was very impressed with the way they they, they organised themselves and they made life difficult. And they've gifted a goal to Alan Lithgow with a free header very early in the game and given Livy the momentum, which. You don't really want to do on the home patch, Kiwi. No, absolutely, and you you did imagine that uh, Jim Goodwin will be tearing his hair out over that. You know, it, it, we've seen what we've seen in them so far this season. They obviously uh, narrowly lost to Hibs. They beat Aberdeen. They sort of narrowly lost to Rangers. They've looked like a team in Jim Goodwin's image. You know, really solid, hard to beat. Maybe not the prettiest, but a team that can grind out a result. So to concede a goal like that, you know, a really daft free header 
it's just the kind of thing you can't afford to do if you if you if you want to avoid that relegation place. Now I think there were some complaints about the Livingston winner. I think there were some complaints about the referee, but I'm not I'm not sure I entirely buy that. But I didn't see anything wrong with it. No, I didn't see anything wrong with it either. But I think that there were some complaints. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't be you know pushing the panic button at St Mirren yet. I still think that they've probably got enough to to stay out of that relegation place because I just think they look they don't look like a team who are going to be losing games five six nil or whatever. Andrew and McAllister are obviously going to be massive for them, but it's also about getting a consistent striker there. Um, I know they've brought in uh, Jonathan Obika, and, yes. and certainly he missed a sitter as mm-hmm. St Mirren pushed for the equaliser. But just before we go into that, uh, perhaps a word on Kyle McGuinness's goal. What a finish that was. Oh yeah, it was just an absolutely brilliant strike. And he, he's obviously uh, looks like a player with real quality. I mean, I think he was... Uh, he's, he's just come back to St Mirren this summer, hasn't he? I mean, he was there before, I think, when they got promoted under Jack Ross, and he was certainly really highly rated by the St Mirren fans. And uh, the goal he scored at the weekend, I think, it just just shows that, you know, the, as the cliche goes, what he's got in his locker. So if they can, if a player like him, if he can just deliver a bit more, a bit more often, a bit more consistently, then that will absolutely be crucial in pulling them away from the sort of relegation mire. I mean, you look at last season when they had Adam Hamill for about three months and they started picking up points because he could just produce those moments of magic and they'll be hoping McGuinness can do a similar thing, I guess. That's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website on our social media channels on Facebook or Twitter. We're at at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can give me pelters on at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can speak to Jules at Captain underscore I nearly, I nearly just said it. You could just said that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I know it now off by heart. Yeah, I'm cool and with that. And Gaby. At Gaby McKay. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.